The VHive now has a Patreon. For those of you who are not familiar with Patreon, it's a subscription-style platform for people to support content creators. Those who subscribe to the VHive's Patreon will receive access to additional content and benefits such as monthly eBooks, bonus episodes, exclusive events, and much more. Supporting the VHive through Patreon will allow this podcast to continue to grow. With your help, we will be able to produce more and more valuable and exciting content. At the moment, this is the VHive's main source of funding. Any level you can subscribe to would be so greatly appreciated. You can access the VHive's Patreon by going to www.patreon.com backslash the VHive. Welcome to the VHive, a platform focused on women's intimate health. With weekly episodes from the field's top practitioners, we discuss all of the things you've always thought about but never wanted to talk about. On this podcast, we are making the highest quality information on the most beloved part of your body accessible, understandable, and implementable. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck, and I started this platform as a result of my own experience with chronic pelvic pain. Throughout the years I spent healing my body, I became overwhelmingly interested and passionate about these topics and have made it my mission to create awareness and education on the complexities of the female body. Last but not least, I want to thank Good Clean Love for supporting this week's episode. I am completely obsessed with all of their products. I use them religiously. They are all made to balance the vaginal pH, which is so important. So if you want to check out these products for yourself, you can use my discount code HANA10 um, when you place an order on their website, which is www.goodcleanlove.com and use the code HANA10. That's H-A-N-N-A-H-10 at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. And let's get into this week's episode. Today I'm here with Paula Pavlova, who is a wellness entrepreneur based in San Francisco. She teaches yoga, meditation, and leads workshops for a variety of holistic healing techniques, ranging from meditation to crystal healing, yoga nidra, reiki, and more. And she is also an endometriosis advocate and patient who is going to share her recent journey and healing story with endometriosis. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah. super excited to talk about all this stuff and hopefully bring some some good some good vibes to the podcast. Yeah, I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to share, um, you know, information that has taken me so long to find yeah. as far and wide as I can. So thank you for. for I'm so happy this worked out perfectly because we just like connected on Instagram, and then you happened to be in New York this week, and I am here in New York, so. It was perfect. Yeah, it, it really worked out great because you're not usually in the city. So it's, it was just like perfect timing Amazing. for both of us. Yeah. I'm very happy to have you here. Yeah. So first, do you want to share your journey with chronic pain, pelvic pain, endometriosis, and what eventually led you to 
having an official or receiving an official diagnosis and then really learning what you needed to do to heal. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've had, I've had chronic pain pretty much. And how old are you now? I'm 28. Okay. Yeah. So I've had chronic pain pretty much my whole life, um, in some form or another. Like my first memories of pain were in my childhood from like my legs and my hips and my knees. And then I had like styes in my eyes and, um, had to have them surgically removed because I couldn't, I couldn't, my body couldn't get rid of the sty. Um, I had it for like nine months, five in one eye. It was crazy. And then I had like eczema over my throat all the time. So, and it was like painful, like constantly itching it. Um, and just these weird things, like just kind of like a sickly child. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then also was grew up in a very like tough post communist Bulgarian family where like crying or complaining about your tummy hurting after a meal is not acceptable. So I hid a lot of that and I was also told that like nothing was wrong with me. So only in retrospect do I realize like that's when it started. And then obviously when I started my cycle, the symptoms started to become significantly worse and it wasn't now, it was more than just like a, sh um, a sh like a shoddy immune system mm -hmm. situation. It was now like chronic pain with my cycle which at first when I started my period wasn't that bad. I started my period on my 13th birthday. <laughs> Great, happy birthday. Um, and then a couple, I think maybe a year went by where I, it was fine. Like I had cramps, you know, you're warned that it's welcome to womanhood when you start to right. have those cramps is what people are used to saying. Um, I don't think that that's fair, but we'll get to that later. And um, I just, you know, thought that things would be normal and that it was just like like small cramps until um, when I was, I think 14, I was home from boarding school. Um, I was home alone with my little brother who was like, I think seven at the time, um, maybe a little bit older, maybe eight. And he, um, he and I were home alone. I was meant to be watching him and um, I woke up, I went to the bathroom, I got my period, I put a tampon in the way that I, you know, have been taught to do. And I just, it felt like the minute that I put the tampon in, it felt like someone was stabbing me, like through my vulva, like through my hip bones, like my legs felt like they were falling off. And I just, I was naked. I was about to get in the shower. My little brother was in like the room next door because we shared a bathroom and he heard me screaming and he came and started knocking on the door. The door was locked. So I had to like crawl to the door to open it for him. And like, I'm, you know, I'm a 14 year old girl. I don't, I'm not typically naked in front of my little brother, but I couldn't even get myself up to get a towel. And he like put a towel on me, called 911. I thought I was dying. I, that was the first time that I had ever experienced such drastic pain. Um, 911 came or an ambulance came. The first thing they did was sh shoot me up with morphine immediately in my home before I even left my home. And so I obviously I'm in the riding in the ambulance. My pain Where is already did you grow decreasing. Up? Vienna, Virginia. Mm -hmm. So this is Fairfax County. They took me to, I think, the hospital in near Reston Town Center. Um, so it was like, you know, 10 minutes from my house, but the time between getting from my house to the hospital, my pain had already decreased significantly because they gave me morphine, right? Mm -hmm. And that was like the first time I ever got high. I'm like mm -hmm. a 14-year-old girl. I never even had like a, a drink at this point really or anything. And I was just like, whoa. And I remember feeling that and going home. They just sent me home with a bunch of pills. They said, this is what it's like to be a woman. You might have some cysts. They might have ruptured. It's kind of normal. Most women have cysts. Like, it'll get better as you get older and definitely will go away whenever you have kids. I'm like a 14-year-old girl. I'm like not planning on having kids anytime soon. So like when they said this to me, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is what I'm going to deal with every day until the day I have kids? So I remember hearing that at that age and being like, wow. 
And then I just went home and like it was too much for me to process. I didn't really. You're a little kid, you know. You just you don't, don't even know what that means. You don't even know what that means. Yeah. So it was just, it was, you know, the the, the new normal. Um, so every like three or four months that would happen. Um, but then I, you know, they told me, oh, this is normal. So mm-hmm. then I wouldn't call an ambulance. So I'm like, oh, this is happening again. And then I would. They gave me painkillers. So I would take. I usually split it in half because it was strong. Mm-hmm. It would, I wouldn't make the pain go away completely, but it was enough to manage where I like would get in bed, put a heating pad on, watch a movie, and try not to writhe to death. Mm-hmm. And the intense pain would only last like 45 minutes to an hour and a half, and then it's like dull pain for a while. So I just got into this cycle of like, this is what's happening. And all my friends knew, like, oh, Paula has really bad periods. Like, my friends were pretty supportive at boarding school, and they like bring me stuff. It'd be like really sweet. But then once in a while, it would get so bad again, like probably once a year, where I thought something worse was happening. And I was afraid that like, they didn't know that there was something in there that they didn't see and like I started to doubt every year that went by I started Mm -hmm. to doubt this story of like this is normal and I would go to the hospital now regularly like same thing with basically the same story would happen and the the worst part about it with the morphine that they would give is that by the time the doctor actually got to the room to ask me what I was going through at that point I really didn't even understand it anymore because I'm high as a kite Mm -hmm. A and B I am no I'm no longer connected to my feeling body and you can no longer explain this is what's happening like it's pulling from here it's stabbing from here to where they could maybe understand oh what was going on her her stuff is actually like anatomically being pulled around (laughs) by foreign tissue in her body like they didn't understand that endometriosis was even a possibility mostly because most doctors are not educated in it and like the doctors that do understand endometriosis are one in a hundred mm-hmm. I understand that now but at the time I didn't understand that and so I just kept being like how can nobody help me and it, it sent me into a depression um, my dad had t- died unexpectedly when I was 12 years old in a really really messed up manner that totally sent me into um, early depression that I didn't really understand I was very reclusive child at that point I like would spend hours in my room by myself just like binge watching television and like nobody was really trying to get me out of it because again like I grew up in this family where like their version of what I was going through was me being a drama queen they weren't considering oh this girl is going through a lot of emotional trauma because of what we did to her by neglecting her and like you know making um, things really challenging mm-hmm. for her for her entire life and basically telling her that every time she ever felt any pain that, to shut up and stop complaining. Right. And I had just shut down. Um, and I, you know, all of this is in retrospect and I have a wonderful relationship with my family and I love them all so much and mm-hmm. I, na- I now know that they did the best they could with what they know and what they, the trauma that they were carrying, right? right? Like they didn't think that the, any of the things that they were doing were necessarily bad. They weren't malicious. They were actually loved me a lot. So I never really felt unloved. I did feel unwanted for mm-hmm. a variety of different reasons, mostly because nobody was paying attention to me. So no shit, you're gonna feel unwanted. <laughs> so you know, all these things now in retrospect, I know definitely contributed to my health. Um, got more and more de- depressed. I started to get like what I now know was endo belly. So the inflammation in my belly would get so big that I would like basically look like I was, you know, three or four months pregnant, if not more. And sometimes I would like laugh at it and be like, haha, look how big I can make my belly. Cause I didn't understand that this was my disease and my body is inflammation. I didn't, I just didn't put the two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then as I got older and that no longer was funny and then, you know, you don't want a belly and you start to develop change as a woman and you're like, boarding school is a t- super toxic environment. Like tons of girls around me had eating disorders. Um, and eventually I developed one as well. And I started to realize, you know, if I didn't eat, my stomach would stay flat. Like the rest of my body was like, you know, I'm a generally small person. And I just, you know, 
I, I got attached to this idea that my stomach should be flat all the time. Um, terrible influences from media, obviously, around us. Like, I was obsessed with the Victoria's Secret fashion show in high school. It was something that we as a dorm would get together and watch, which is, like, so looking That's back crazy. on it, I'm like, how was that me? Like, you know, mm-hmm. that was, it was, it was crazy. It was totally inappropriate. And, like, where were the adults, like, supposed to be living on the dorm with us, you know? Like, where was, and, like, you know, and the way that they treated me was horrible. Like, they didn't understand the, the complexities of an eating disorder. They didn't understand, like, where it was coming from. They sent, they kicked me out of school. Um, but it, I mean, they let me come back once I gained a certain amount of weight, did a certain amount of things. And so it put a really bad taste in my mouth for all the healing things that I knew I needed to do one day that I eventually did do. It just, I, it, I put up all these resistances. And it um, it blocked me for, from healing for a very long time. So eating disorder continues. And I go to college and... Um, all of a sudden the eating disorder goes away because I replaced it with a weed smoking habit basically, Mm -hmm. which is neither, you know, good or bad necessarily in my eyes now because it did definitely get me out of a really, really, really bad habit that's way worse than smoking weed. And then also the weed helped me stop using the painkillers as much because it helped me manage my pain in a much more holistic way in my opinion. Um, And there's a fine line there. If you smoke too much, it's going to lead to inflammation in your body. So it has to be moderated and then I, I use CBD creams and stuff as well that you know over time I started to understand more and thank God I live in California where these medicines are available to me mm-hmm. very easily one of the reasons I moved there actually um, like every decision I've ever made in my life is because right. of endometriosis I realized that over time looking back on it um, and so then I, I go to college I think start to change for me um, for a variety of different reasons one I'm separated from my family where like there's there's a lot of darkness there um, that I was holding on to a lot of resentment that I was holding on to. I, I wasn't talking to my mom for several periods at a time for a variety of different reasons. A lot of things I was lied to about for a variety of different reasons. Truth starts coming out to the surface for a variety of different things, like the truth about my mom. She was adopted, but her, her mom was a gypsy. Once I learned that, I was able to just be like, oh my gosh, I, I understand. Like, you, you know, your mom, your biological mom was a 16-year-old gypsy. And then you were adopted and lived in, in, in communism and had all of these different restrictions in your life. And she was exposed to a lot of things that were really traumatic for her too. And I didn't know any of those things until I was older. And she, and my sister actually explained it to me because mm-hmm. my sister was eight years older than me. So she actually grew up in Bulgaria. So she saw some things that right. I never saw. And so she was always, she and I, as I got older, became really close. And she's been an, an incredible uh, person in my life that has really opened up my eyes. And so as I started to learn all these things about my past and truth started to reveal itself little bit by little bit, I started to break down all of these bad habits and all of these um, isolation techniques that I had, depression that I had, because I was finally seeing the truth. And as traumatic as it was to learn the truth, it was also incredibly healing. And so I was able to realize that I do not have to be boxed into this version of myself, that the way that I was treated was not because my parents wanted to treat me badly, it's because that they were carrying their own stuff. And I started to, for the first time ever, at like around 18, 19, 20, understand that there was more options for me than to continue down this path that clearly wasn't working for Mm me. I was a fashion major. Obviously, that's not going to be contributing positively to my self-image when you're, you know, it's just that world is not not the most respectful um, to... Uh, healthy body images and so I changed my major at that point I started experimenting with psychedelics it really opened my mind in ways that I can't even explain Mm -hmm. again moderation same as the weed it could go too far Um, and I'm I'm not a doctor nor do I suggest that anybody listening go do anything right now like this is something that should be done in in a very um, well thought out and uh, 
safe way, mm-hmm. ideally with professionals. I wasn't doing that in college, and yeah. I thank God. I mean, yeah. there's some things that I did that were definitely risky. It all worked out fine, but I would never tell someone to repeat those those patterns. For me, it worked out fine. It opened my eyes. It, I changed my major from fashion to sociology, started studying fine art, started exploring all these different ideas. Um, and I met an amazing friend of mine who's still my best friend to this day. Her name is Missy. And she introduced me to crystals one day when I was at her house and had an endometriosis episode. And I had ridden my bike there and I, I didn't... I didn't know what to do. I was like, I couldn't ride my bike back. I At that time, like, weed was definitely helping with pain, but I was still using a little bit of the painkiller. So I was like, I just need to get back to my house. Like, the painkiller will help me. She's like, no, Paula, please just stay here. She didn't have a car, so she couldn't drive me. She didn't want me to bike. She's like, please just stay here. I can make this better for you. And her and her boyfriend at the time made me a little palette. They covered me in crystals. I was so, like, unaware of anything holistic or you know, woo-woo is what some people might call it at the time. And I was very far from that. I was like, mm-hmm. what is this, a rock? Like I was, you know, wearing Gucci shoes and like dressing up and like not even like a little lick of hippie in me, you know? And so I just was, kind of, again, resistant, but I, I had no choice. And because um, I was in so much pain and it was, it was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And that was the first time ever in my life that I actually separated myself from the pain and felt some sort of physical relief at all from anything other than either a joint or painkiller. And I just felt the crystals laying on me. Like it was an incredible sensation where like I was feeling cool and warm at the same time, grounded and still in a way that I had never experienced before because oftentimes when I'd have the endometriosis pain, I'd be so writhing that like I couldn't stay still. And then when you start writhing, it actually, your muscles clench more and then it makes it worse. But like having the crystals on me kind of this like this weight that grounded me and then obviously she gave me a heating pad as well and you know all these things there were there were contributing factors but I almost felt like I separated myself from the pain and I was like wow this is something unique mm-hmm. and I it was undeniable I was like wow okay this these crystals are, are definitely some there's something more going on here I didn't know what but I knew there was something more so then I started to like being the skeptic that I am I started to like play games with the crystals so she started giving me crystals over time she had been giving them to me for a while and I would like put them on my shelf because I thought they were pretty and then I, I grabbed a book and I bought the book and you know it has the meanings in there and I just kind of started testing it and I would take a crystal and go do my thing walk around do my day and then come back at the end of the day and open up the book and read about the crystal and like nine times out of ten the crystal was the exact energy of my day like the exact thing that I, I had been feeling all day the vibes that I was in usually good ones mm-hmm. um, and or like if, if it wasn't good like the crystal that I had was like kind of helping to protect from that so it could have been worse or whatever you know all of this now I realize is over time of studying it and understanding it it's it's mostly placebo right mm-hmm. it's like your brain responding and thinking that this is going to help you for this reason if you truly believe it it will right. because that's how our bodies are wired right. it's like you if you can be reminded of this healing property through this rose quartz to be loving and to be compassionate and to hold each other you are reprogramming your own body every time you look at it by reminding yourself that. So that's where the power is. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's more to it. I'm sure if we researched it, yeah. we probably would understand a lot more of it because it can't be that simple, right? Because yeah. the universe is so Nothing complex is, and yeah. so beautiful and so perfectly designed. But it works. And that's yeah. all that matters to me. So then I started to just bring it into my life. She pulled me out of like, I was doing Bikram yoga, which no offense to anybody that's doing that. It's a gateway in, but there's so much more out there. If that's you, like, you know, try other forms of yoga so she started taking me to like real meditation like real mindfulness based stuff I, I 
I met like some incredible teachers in Fort Worth where I, where I was living at the time. I went to TCU there. Um, one of whom works for me today as my photographer. She's amazing. And she was my first like, holy shit, this is an incredible mm -hmm. teacher. She touched my soul. She like moved things in my body. Um, and I started practicing more yoga. And I, it just became like a daily part of my life. Um, me and my girlfriends, Missy being one of them, uh, decided to start a little thing called Gaia Collective that now has uh, blossomed into what is a women's health advocacy platform. But at the time, it was just, you know, we wanted to tag buildings with like this lotus because we wanted to like share the importance of, of art and make people happy. And I was writing a thesis for my sociology and fine art degrees about the importance of fine art or the importance of public art, excuse me, and how like it engages communities and makes people happy and like um, comparing different cities that have used regeneration versus gentrification and how that affects like the happiness and the overall health of those cities and communities. And so I was just interested in this kind of stuff, you know, young student, super curious about everything. That's just my personality. I want to know everything about everything whenever mm -hmm. I'm into it. And we were just, you know, having fun, making jewelry with crystal stuff. We did a couple of fairs. Um, and then I finished school. They finished school. I started teaching yoga full time. And that's when I realized that, like, I was masking all these hormones all along and finding these ways to manage these symptoms of something that I didn't understand at all. Because as you get older, it gets worse. Mm -hmm. Because each time you have your period, you are creating more scar tissue in your body because things are ending up in the wrong place where they're not supposed to, like creating inflammation, lesions, adhesions inside of your body that is literally shifting the anatomy of your body every single time you have your period. So it doesn't get better, it gets worse. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't understand it, again, because nobody had told me what endometriosis was. I finish school, I start teaching full-time, my health starts to get significantly worse. I'm super stressed, I'm working around the clock from like 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. at the earliest, some nights, like every single day of the week. Um, my boyfriend also is in the same position. We're living in D.C. and he sees me. I see him both stressed and, and he basically presents an idea to me one day to start a subscription box under this umbrella that we have kind of as girlfriends created, which is Gaia Collective. And he you know, comes up with all these great ideas, these unique ideas and presents them to us. And it's like, hey, let's do it mm -hmm. first to me. And then we bring them in. And then another one of us like kind of had a similar idea. And so we all just came together and started doing it. And we thought it'd be like the most fun thing in the world. <laughs> um, lo and behold, <laughs> starting a business with your partner and your friends, especially when not easy. You both have autoimmune disorders. My boyfriend has psoriasis, so mm -hmm. he also has you know a chronic, uh, chronic illness, if you will. Um, he manages it fine now, but it is an autoimmune mm -hmm. disorder, which we'll get to later as to why this is energetically so interesting. Um, and so we we start this business together. Um, Gaia Collective has all these big dreams. We thought Moonbox would be like a, a product under Gaia Collective, but eventually Moonbox becomes such a big thing that I end up quitting my job in DC. Dan quits his job in DC. He was doing federal um, contracting for defense, so he had like a really good job, but he was, it was like just soul crushing and you know, how defense contracting is not the most ethical environment. So it just wasn't working for him. And we both decided let's leave DC and move to California and just try this for a little while. So we try it, but we, we have a, a lot of struggles as most people do starting a business you know we didn't have any outside investments we bootstrapped the whole thing rolled one month into the next and um i used some of my own resources to help float us for a little while and it was just really it was really like really hard and um you know you're young and you don't know how to how to work with people yet do. or how to like create expectations you know we don't we don't know any of these things we're all just flying by the seat of our pants so long story short friendships break down relationship breaks down <laughs> 
Um, me and my friends stopped working together, thank God, because now we're all friends again. And if we had kept working together, I don't think that that would have happened. Um, wasn't easy for anybody involved. Um, same with the, the relationship that deteriorates. We break up for a while, infidelity on both ends, you know, like things are just not looking good. Where on the outside, I'm faking it really well. Mm -hmm. Like this, the business is finally successful. I'm still teaching yoga and meditation. Uh, like I'm, I've gotten really good at helping other people and but not yourself. Not myself. Right. And also really good at hiding all the pain that I was in. Mm -hmm. uh, like most people who knew me listening to this would probably be like, holy shit, I had no idea she was going yeah. through that. Because um, I was just, unless they were close enough to see me have those episodes, like they didn't, they didn't know. And then the people that were even that close, I never really shared the mental anguish mm -hmm. that I was in and, and like, how, like the depressive thoughts and like how, like how much it was rooted in my past and like all these things that, I now understand through years of therapy and finally turning the lens back on myself, um, were holding me back from fully expressing myself and from fully actually thriving in my career. Mm -hmm. um, I was getting a taste, and I had a teacher actually that said to me once, Sean Corn, she's she's amazing. I she, she's part of how my life changed. She said, Paula, she actually said, you're a witch. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, witch. She's like, yeah, you're like you you understand this like this world. Like you actually have magical powers basically but right now you are operating at a two mm -hmm. if you can heal your own stuff imagine what you could do you'll be operating at a 10 mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing her but that's what she said to me in Fort Worth I went back to Fort Worth for a workshop at Missy's studio where she teaches um, you know Missy's just like my light she always brings in the best moments and uh, I just in that moment I realized and she said to me where is your at that point I had had surgery on my throat because I had I had abscesses on my tonsils which now I'm wondering if or endometriosis but they removed my tonsils because I'm allergic to amoxicillin and penicillin, so I couldn't get rid of the infection on my own. Mm -hmm. um, and I had just gone down there shortly after that, and she was like, well, she was like, where's your trauma? I was like, right now it's here and here. And she explained to me that those two areas are related, the, the sacral chakra and the throat, the, the uterus and the throat. Like, these are the two most flexible parts of our bodies, mm -hmm. right? Like, the cervical spine and the lumbar spine. They, they bend, but if you overbend, they will break. Mm -hmm. Like, they're very supple places but and then and they also are spaces are creative a creative expression and the the part that blocks off the throat is lies the part that blocks off the sacral chakra is lack of of true creative expression lack of self-worth lack of self-understanding like self-care and those are the two areas that i was missing the most and mm -hmm. i realized at the time like this all things are coming together for me i'm realizing that i've been lied to for a while I'm realizing like, you know, all these things are changing and more and more truth is uncovering in my family over time and all of it, each little bit, as hard as it was to hear and understand, is healing me. Right. And so th things continue to go on and um, my partner gets sick um, over the course of us starting our business. We split up. He gets better, actually, because he gets a, an, he gets out. Uh, my friends get out. Like, they get better. Everyone's getting better. I'm, like, just slowly getting worse and worse and worse because I've taken all the responsibility on myself because, again, I'm, I'm doing that thing that I got so good at, which is, like, I want to make sure everybody else is okay. Right. Fuck me. Doesn't right. matter. I'm sacrificing myself, throwing myself in front of the bus. And nobody, even my friends and my boyfriend didn't understand how much I was suffering because I wasn't telling them. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just still trying to be like, guys, I love you so much. Please, let's be friends. You know, and they were just like, fuck you. You didn't want to work with us anymore. You know, I, I get it. Like, they were pissed for a variety of different reasons. But, like, now we all see it. And we're all like, whoa. Right. You know, and they see me. And, like, and it's, I can't tell you how liberating it is and how free, how healing it is to finally speak up and share my truth. Right. Like, I was lied to for so long that I actually learned how to lie to myself. Mm -hmm. And so then now that I can, like, openly talk about all this stuff and, like, not break down and, you know, after years of therapy and all that stuff, I can understand and be like, wow, 
this is what we need to do. We need to heal like emotional trauma if we're going to heal physical trauma and all these things are related. Years go by. I still don't know what I have. Doctors are basically telling me there's nothing wrong with me. Eventually a doctor says um, in the emergency room after like the 20th time, I don't know how many times I'm in the emergency room, they shoot me up with morphine again. She comes in, she's like, have you ever heard of endometriosis? A nurse said this to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I've never heard of endometriosis. I mean, I'm, I'm annoyed at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't trust anybody in the medical industry. I was just like, I wanted to just go home. I just wanted to get like the pain relief that I needed, make sure that I wasn't like, you know, hemorrhaging on the inside and dying and go home. And she's like, you should look it up or you should talk to your doctor about it. And I was like, lady, what do you think I've been doing? <laughs> I've, I've been asking, I, I, yeah. I've been talking. I mean, not to the right people, clearly, but I, I was you thought back you who, I, yeah. who I thought were the right people. I, my OBGYN, who didn't know the fuck they were talking about. I hadn't seen the same OBGYN twice. I kept going to different ones because mm-hmm. they kept making me feel so shitty. And, you know, the birth controls were making me crazy. You know, all the things just were not working for me. And I, I honestly think that's something that people should consider. Like, if you're on birth control and you have symptoms of, like, manic depression or bipolar disorder or anything that someone else is telling you that you have that is supposedly separate from your birth control, consider if you were to stop your birth control and start a different healthcare plan for yourself if those symptoms would go away. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling anyone to stop taking whatever they're taking. But, like, just consider if those symptoms might be not separate. Yeah. Because in my case, everything was related. They were, yeah. And the minute that I actually took the the self-care that I knew I needed to do, the hard work that I had to do, it all went away, right? So but how, like, at this point, what was your, I want you to, fo- like, tell us how your, what your endometriosis was like at this time and how you finally, like, got to the doctor that diagnosed yes. you and treated you. And then, like, after that, what the healing yeah, was Yeah, so like. the, when, I, when I learned the word endometriosis, I think I'm, at this point, I think I'm, like, 21, 22. I found my doctor last year at 27. Which is crazy. Yeah, so I'm still searching. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, this search goes on. And a lot of it, needed like I don't, I don't know how to explain it any other way but like I needed to go through all of the shitty bits to get to this bit because like I had doctors that tried to perform surgery on me like when I'd go into the room I'd be like once I once I googled it and I was like oh my god this is what I have mm-hmm. I was like these all the symptoms are the same of course is what I have right. so then I started going to the doctor and being like I think I have endometriosis and then they'd be like okay well have you had a lacroscopy like have you done the surgery have you done the tests I'm like no I haven't and then they immediately wanted to do it they immediately wanted they wouldn't look at me and be like yes you do have endometriosis they wanted to be like let's go cut you open and find out if you have endometriosis and that mm-hmm. made me uncomfortable and a lot of a lot of people will continue to trust and they'll go do that anyways and I don't know what it was in me I mean maybe it's the, the Bulgarian me like my parents raised me to be like don't take any medicine ever don't go to the doctor ever like here's just here's some medicia it'll fix it you know over 50% alcohol fixes anything you know like that's <laughs> that's what that's so funny <laughs> or eat some feta cheese eat some yogurt you'll be fine um yeah, so like maybe it was the distrust that was already built in me, but I was like, absolutely not. You are not cutting me open. One time it got so bad that I actually did agree to, to go in for surgery, but the morning that I was supposed to go in, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I just got the heebie-jeebies and I said, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go. And so honestly, things continue to get worse. And then my my business starts to get better because I have just devoted myself to it completely and sacrificed myself for it. So, you know, 
obviously that's how things get better. A lot of business people do that and can do it for the rest of their lives and, and, and be fine. I, I'm not one of those people. Um, and I finally have some free time. I finally hire people. I like, I can finally focus on myself. So I start using like better help, like a text messaging mm-hmm. thing. That was my first form of therapy. Um, I start to like actually invest in myself for the first time ever. I hired an assistant, but I'm still struggling a lot. And my assistant was over one day and she sees me struggling and she's like, what's going on? And I was like, I, ha- I think I have endometriosis. Cause again, at this point I still don't know. I'm 26 or 27. Um, I moved to San Francisco. Um, my boyfriend and I were split up, but we were still working together because he's my best friend. Like we grew mm-hmm. up together. He's always going to be my best friend no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just trucking along. And she said, I have a friend who has endometriosis and I have she has a doctor who's changed her life. Like, please let me connect you with her. And I was like, okay, sure. So I get her information. I make an appointment. Couldn't get an appointment for a year. For a full year, I had to wait That's to see so this doctor. Crazy. Yeah, a full year. So at that point, I'm like really struggling, but I'm starting to... And what's to- really interesting, because we were talking about this briefly before, but this doctor also takes insurance, which is really Yes, rare. and that was also a big thing for me. It's like I did have people reach out to me who I had let know I have endometriosis or I might have endometriosis who, who sent me doctors who were out of network Mm -hmm. and like I would call and have conversations with them or go in and have a a scheduled appointment with them and I've had instances where I've paid like you know $400, $800, over $1,000 to meet with these people um, for them to tell me basically okay I can do surgery on you don't know if you actually have endometriosis same thing like I can do surgery on you and and get rid of it do the excision and but it's going to be 15 grand and most likely we're gonna have to do it again. So like basically they told me you're looking at a 30 you're looking at 30 grand at least on top of the bills that you're paying here today and every time you come in you're going to be paying a couple hundred dollars just for your appointment. So that's just for the surgeries at least 30 grand, right? And then on top of that every time you come in you're paying a couple hundred dollars. So I don't I mean you're going to expect to pay probably like 50, right? When you're when it's all said and done because you're going to be seeing those doctors so regularly. I see my doctor once a week and I pay $80 mm-hmm. every time I go because that's my fucking copay, which also sucks, but it's better than a couple hundred. So lucky as hell to have found this girl. Um, my assistant, I, I looked through hundreds and hundreds of resumes to find her and I chose her, you know, it's Which like, it's so, so crazy. crazy. Right. And, and she helped me. And so th- like, it's so weird. I look back in retrospect, like every decision I made along the way was because of the endo. And like, I, I can only see that in retrospect. And so I, I go, I make the appointment, but I'm also kind of pissed at this point still. I kept getting more and more pissed as the years went by because it just was, I felt helpless and and I was just like okay well if I'm gonna wait a year for this then I'm gonna book myself something else for a year that I can really look forward to and so I booked a trip to Peru with Yoga Medicine which is um, a, a amazing organization run by Tiffany Krukchenk she's a yoga teacher and Chinese medicine doctor who um, kind of brings the two together so mm-hmm. I, I took a yin and meditation training there and at that point I've been teaching yin and meditation there are portions of my yoga teacher training I'm a fully certified teacher 500 hours at this point if not more um, and I'm doing trainings all the time and like different things. And at, at that point, I think I had started the Reiki as well because I said the same thing. I was like, anything that comes in my way that sparks interest in me, that feels like it's going to be healing, like the crystals were, where it's like, I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is, but like clearly this is doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I'll do it. That's, that's right. what I said to myself. I'll do it. And, and I booked the trip to Peru. Uh, I had like a total mental breakdown while I was there because I was finally healing stuff, which is what happens. Like people think, oh, oh my God, the amount of people that have told me, how did this happen to you? Haven't you been like, you know, doing yoga for over a decade? Aren't you so spiritually aligned and this and that? That it, it makes me more angry than I can possibly explain because A, that's not how it works. Right. 
you got to get worse before you get better even if you're healing like doing all this healing stuff like you're going to uncover painful things you have to reveal those things if you want to heal them Mm -hmm. and it's going to be hard and like you're going to be feeling like you're walking through the dark night of the soul for a little while but the minute that you actually become honest with yourself and do that hard work the light like appears at the far end of this tunnel and you're just like okay i'll keep going and you know that it's there and that light just starts to get brighter and brighter and brighter and it's legitimately healing it's mm-hmm. not like some band-aid that you just wait for later to to you know it, you know it's just it's, yeah. it's not and it's, it's like when you keep pushing things out you're never going to be able to fix them or fix is not the, probably the best word but it's what you resist persists exactly yeah so what you resist in your body is going to persist in your body and mm-hmm. it's going to come up in the form of dis-ease right so like dis-ease mm-hmm. the lack of ease in, in your, your body system, yeah in your body will lead to dis-ease so these things started to, to become more and more clear to me i see i i go to peru um it was hard but it was also super healing super grateful for everybody there that supported me um and made some amazing friends and um, my Tiffany Krukshank, I stayed like for the break one day and I was just talking to her and I, I mentioned endometriosis at that point. I knew that I had it. Yeah, so I, I, I actually know I hadn't seen my doctor yet, but I, I was like really, really sure that I had it. And so mm-hmm. I asked her about it and she goes, actually, that's, that's what I used to treat when I was like doing straight, straight TCM and fertility and endometriosis and I have a whole sector on women's health. So I immediately, while I was there, signed up for the next mm-hmm. training, um, which was after I saw my doctor. So, you know, things started to just really fall into place once I devoted myself to myself. Mm-hmm. It was it was really that simple. That was what Once you I had made to the do. decision that, yeah. like, and it was th- largely thanks to my assistant. I, I give her a lot of credit for, for being like, Paula, you, you got to stop. Like, you're, yeah. you're, what you're doing is amazing and clearly you're really successful at it. But, like, look at, look at you. She said that to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a hard pill to swallow, but it was true. And, and, and you I, needed to hear it. I needed to hear it. And so, and I, I saw my doctor. She took one look at me when I got back from Peru, and she said, "You have endometriosis." Like one swipe, and I was like, "What?" Like by swipe, I mean the the ultrasound wand right, right. inside of me. Um, she's like, "Yeah, that's what you have." Like I can see it everywhere, and I was like, "What do you mean you can see it?" Like every other doctor did the same thing you just did, and they couldn't see it. And she goes, "That's because they don't know what they're looking for." Mm. So she does these slideshows, and so does Iris Orbach, who's an out of out of network surgeon. Yeah. You know, she, she, yeah. she's pretty pretty well known and I've read her book and she's given me a lot of tips but like I honestly can't get behind this whole out of pocket thing and I think that the people who are charging this stuff are contributing to the problem and I think that we all, we, we all need to get really honest about mm-hmm. that like so they need to be a part of the change they can't just like stand out like on the on the outskirts and only help the rich people it's just not and there's even a line in her book that's like you know it's expensive but it's an invest like if you don't have the money you don't have the money right and i just wanted to throw the book at that point but i picked it up and kept reading it because there really is great information and it's just we that that information needs to become available to people who don't have access to it and so then uh, uh, about a year goes by she t- tries a bunch of treatments it doesn't get better it continues to get worse however my mental clarity does start to get better my understanding of my body starts to get better my depression starts to get better my anxiety starts to get better my weird symptoms like the outside symptoms like my acne um like the things that were on the surface start to get better, but on the inside, obviously, I've you know I've been I've been ignoring a physiological issue for 15 years that my insides are still being destroyed. So um, a long time goes by, and then 28 rolls around. I turn 28 two days after my 28th birthday. Um, I fall off the toilet, hit my head on the floor, have a concussion. I think I didn't say for sure, but I felt like I had my head hurt mm-hmm. like a motherfucker. 
and I was unconscious. I mean, I didn't go to the hospital, so like they they wouldn't. There's no way to know really. Um, I was unconscious for a little while, and then my boyfriend came up and and found me, and I was actually like, sorry guys, laying in my own shit um, because I had lost control of my bowels. And this was something that the nurse had said to me like back when I I first heard the word endometriosis. She goes, if you don't deal with this, it could attach itself to your bowels. I didn't believe her. I I was just like, that's gross. That's what Mm -hmm. I thought. And that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it attached itself to my bowels and to my rectum. My uterus was folded in half. It was all stuck to the left side of my body. The ligaments were stuck together. Like everything was completely physiologically wrong. Like it, it affected the full anatomy of my pelvis. And I was having radiating pain down my legs that I didn't think was related. I was having allergies that I didn't think were related. I was having all these different things that I thought were totally separate. So I was seeing like a dermatologist. I was seeing an allergist. I was, right. you know, it, it was all related. So after that happened, you know, my doctor told me a year prior, she goes, yes, yeah, surgery is technically the only like, effective treatment to, to get rid of the inflammation from the past, but I'm, not, I'm never going to force you into it. You let me know if and when you're ready. So that's what made me feel comfortable with her, and that's why I kept seeing her, and that's why she's the only doctor I've ever seen twice, oh, only OBGYN I've ever seen twice. Um, so after that happened, I go to her and I say, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to do the surgery. Let's go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I do the surgery. Uh, a lot of things are going on in my life. Good things at this point. Prior to me getting to this point, my, my boyfriend and I get back together. Um, you know, he's the love of my life. I love him so much, and he's been so supportive. And um, we moved in together. And what's funny is, like, I I wanted kids for as long as I can remember, and that was part of the reason why we we split up in the first place. Like, there was a lot of there, there was a lot of different like we had different life paths that we mm-hmm. weren't sure where to align, um, and that led to issues. But like we we decided to get back together because we loved each other so much we couldn't stay away from each other even though those life paths necessarily weren't still exactly aligned and we both agreed that when we moved in together which was only two weeks before my 28th birthday that we were going to table the baby making conversation for a while or table those things that were you know we couldn't necessarily get on the same page about and at the time i didn't really understand that like this could lead to a lot of other infertility issues i didn't really understand what nobody had told me you know mm-hmm. so like you're all these years are going by right and like i know the word and i'm reading what i'm reading online but i'm also told not to believe half of what i'm reading online so i'm hoping that i'm still fertile and i mm-hmm. it's just not something that we it's not we didn't have it that seriously it was more like i want this i don't you know yeah um and uh we table the conversation and i'm like let's just live together for at least a year and just enjoy each other's company and like really start this new chapter of our relationship now that we've worked so hard like you know we went to couples therapy before we got back together because we were working together we wanted to make sure that it was right Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to have a good time with him and my brain was saying that Mm -hmm. but my body was like hell no yeah like you got to deal with this right now because even if, what, what you think in your mind, like your mind is constantly lying to you. And that's something mm-hmm. else another teacher told me, Janet Stone, if you've, ever, if you've never heard of her, check her out too. She said, she said it in a yoga class once, she said, and I will never forget it. She goes, your mind always finds ways to trick you or lie to you, but your body never lies. Mm-hmm. Your body never lies to so you. So interesting. It's so interesting. And so the minute that I tried to like, you know, again, bring in that lie or like mask something or not truly face the reality, my body was like, absolutely not. Here you go legitimately shit hitting the fan <laughs> um and so then that, that that just started this this whole journey and i was doing great in my career even though like you know physically things were still um challenging and i was, I was talking to a book agent and like putting together a book proposal to write a book and i felt super inspired about it i was excited about it and like i've been writing you know for five years for the moon box at this point moon box separates from guy collective when we my friends guy collective kind of just sat in the corner <laughs> i put baby in the corner for a little while just because i didn't know what to do with it and i was like 
it'll come to me whenever whenever the right and I stopped posting on Instagram for like I don't know maybe two years fucked my algorithm but I don't really care um you know I just I, I wasn't sure what I needed to do with it and I wanted to wait until I was truly inspired and I thought okay I'm just gonna focus on the lunar stuff right now the moon box like that's my thing that's where my energy is it was going great and I met with that book agent like two weeks before my birthday and so I started working with all these suggestions she gave me and then once this happened I just immediately it changed my it changed my life. I had no choice. I woke up from my surgery, and it was like I was explaining this to you earlier. It was like a like a movie reel. It was like like people who explain like near death experiences. Mm-hmm. And granted, I was on a lot of drugs when I woke up, so it probably has something to do with it. But it was like I was playing back my life in my head, and some some voice in my head was like, Paula, this is what you have to write about. This is what you are meant to dedicate your life to. This is what has shaped your entire existence and every decision you have ever made is because of endometriosis and there should never be another girl or person ever again who has to make every decision in their life because of their chronic illness and granted my chronic illness did lead me to crystals it did lead me to reiki it did lead me to a life of wellness and i'm super grateful for all of that but it would have been nice to to have gotten there a little less forcefully, right? Yeah. And maybe it wouldn't have maybe it wouldn't have happened at all. Who knows? I mean, I do think that we we really as human beings wait until the, our back is against the wall before we do something. I think it's un, an unfortunate trait, but if we can get inspired enough and, and motivated enough and get enough information and get enough get enough education about the things that could get to that point before they get to that point, then maybe we would start earlier. And that's where I, now I have dedicated my life and Gaia Collective came out of the corner and like it, the name is perfect. It's Gaia, the Earth Goddess. And so yeah. I was just like, this is what I'm, I'm going to rebrand this. I'm Everything gonna was to, falling into place. Everything was falling into place. Into place. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm, just, I'm changing my book proposal. Yes, it's still lunar. Like, I mean, it's the lunar cycle, our periods, right? right? Um, it's still about like mindfulness and meditation and all these things and how helpful they are. And it's still based off of my work over the last eight years that I've been doing as a teacher. And before that, I was a practitioner and I still am, obviously, forever will be a student. <laughs> So it's, it, over the past decade of my life, it's based off all these things that have helped me, but in the lens specifically of pelvic pain, chronic pain, women's health, autoimmune disorders, because I really think that this energetic healing part where we really start to understand the underlying issues of what creates disease in our bodies is not just going to help people with endometriosis. I think it's going to help a variety of different people along the way, um, all of whom are suffering from what are told are genetic chronic disorders that they can't... that oh it's you never mm-hmm. solve this like we don't know where it comes from it comes from trauma yeah it comes from emotional trauma mm-hmm. it comes from shit that we're not willing to deal with it mm-hmm. comes from stuff that lodges itself in our bodies and we ignore for long enough to where our body physically responds and says uh-uh yeah you're you could lie to yourself all you want to all all, all day long all the all you want to brain but body is not going to do that so crazy and like people ignore their bodies and listen to their brains all the time you know all the time. It's like reverse. And I remember I said something to my to one of my girlfriends once when we were like having when we first started working together and I was trying to I was trying to be, you know, smart about my decisions because I was putting a lot on the line to start a business so young, right? And like I wasn't I didn't have an income. I was living on Skid Row. <laughs> you know, things were mm-hmm. it was tough. Um, she, she was like Paula, uh, she said, I can't remember she I can't remember why, but we were having an argument. She goes, she was like, it's like you're not thinking with your heart. That's what she said to me. She's like, I said, I, I will, I will never forget this. I said back to her, I'm not trying to think with my heart. I'm trying to think with my head. Mm-hmm. And that was the problem all along. Is that I was thinking with my head because I was told that that's what I was supposed to do. That's our society. That's what our society rewards. Like businesses with your head. It's not with your heart. It's not. And now I don't do that at all. Mm-hmm. All my business decisions are made from my heart, my gut, yeah. and 
it's working out fine. Yeah. <laughs> what I was doing it the other way around, my life was falling apart, you know? And thank God it happened so young because now I got a whole life to live where mm-hmm. I can dedicate myself to actually listening to my body and teaching other people to yeah. do that. So it's been a long road and it's been super hard and like I still have pain every day. Like, I mean, I've been, the past two weeks have been tough because from ovulation to, to menstruation, like I still have pain. I don't, I will still have endometriosis every day for the rest of my life, well, my fertile years and probably into menopause. But like, that's something I've been dealing with for decades and the surgery doesn't cure it. The surgery just erases the years of built up tissue that was there in the past and fixes the twisted anatomy that the endometriosis caused. But I still have to continue to treat this endometriosis for the rest of my life. I still have to continue to be super vigilant with my mental health, with my physical health, with my diet, with all these different things that are gonna allow me to lead a more fulfilled life and eventually have kids, which is mm-hmm. something that's super important to me. And this has also forced me and my boyfriend to have really serious conversations. And I'm so grateful for him and his support. And and you know who knows what's gonna happen like I said we're always gonna be friends or you know we're still working on it and I hope one day that we can our paths will come back together but I I harbor no resentment towards him yeah I I harbor no no like desire to 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 fit him into my mold or like um fight with him over this anymore we just have really conscious open conversations and we both understand that like you know this is this is where we're at and and we have to start making some decisions and if it leads to us getting married and having kids over the next couple of years which is like what my track will be because that's my timeline great if it leads to us parting ways and maybe even me being alone for a while and then i get a sperm donor whenever i want to have a kid mm-hmm. like that's fine too like or i meet somebody else or you know whatever i know that having kids is important to me and i and that's something that i want to do so a lot of my decisions are around that now a lot of women don't have those that desire and that's fine too but you have to figure out like what is the non-negotiable for you? Yeah. And for me, it was no longer okay for me to not be able to make it through a night of sleep because I was blowing my nose constantly from allergies. So I cut out the things that were inflaming my body. That yeah, that's what I wanted to, to ask you. Like, what are the, if you had to pick five things that you do now that help you the most, like physically, mentally, oh my gosh. spiritually, like what, what are really, they? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of things. Um, first thing is I start every morning with meditation and Reiki even if it's only three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. Even if like when I'm traveling, it's harder because it's hard to find like a quiet space. And if I'm like staying with a friend, sometimes I get distracted and I can't really find the space. So honestly, I'll do it on the toilet. I know yeah. that sounds so weird, but like no, that, that it's the one that. space where you're alone for long enough, you close the door. Like no one's gonna question if you're in the bathroom for 10 minutes yeah. longer when you're traveling with friends. Like, come on, you no. know, get over it. Yeah. They might be like, oh, okay, you were in there for a while, but you just feel like, yeah, right. I got okay. business to do. Yeah, you know? yeah. They don't even know what. So 10 minutes at least, or, you know, for me, I like 10 minutes, but even if it's two to three, it's going to be helpful. Um, Deep breathing. And this is something that Iris talks about in her book. And my doctor also talks about, my PT talks about as well. My physical therapist is pelvic floor drops. So I've I've woven my pelvic floor drops into my meditations. Have you ever heard of pelvic floor Mm -hmm. drops? Yeah. So I just, I meditate and focus on my pelvic floor dropping as I inhale, right? Mm -hmm. So I can retrain my body to have proper pelvic floor function. Because one of the things I've uncovered through my process of healing is that I also have pelvic floor dysfunction, which there's a theory that says that pelvic floor dysfunction actually causes endometriosis endometriosis because it, it like, if you do it early enough and you do it long enough, to, like if you contract your pelvic floor as you inhale, where you're supposed to be releasing it as you inhale, your muscles get confused and they start it starts to ricochet up. It's a theory. It's not, we don't yeah, know if it's yeah. true or not, but it's a theory. So that's one. I bring my pelvic floor drops into my meditation every morning. I do self-reiki every morning. Um, I mean, 
honestly, my, my opinion on Reiki, I'm a Reiki master. This is my opinion on Reiki. Mm-hmm. Everyone can do Reiki. You don't have to, yeah. you don't have to go get attuned to, to do it. You don't have to have you, a I mean, master come you, do it on you, you. How do you do it is a whole nother podcast, but like. Yeah. So, I mean, the, tr- traditionally it comes from a practice where there's like very specific symbols that you draw on yourself and like chants that you say to yourself. And I, I do use those mm-hmm. practices, but my personal opinion, my honest opinion on that, same thing as the crystals. It's just a gateway in. It's just a reminder. It's just getting yourself to believe in something. It's just focusing. If you're, you know, doing those chants and doing those symbols, you're focusing your brain specifically on one certain thing, which is for today, I won't feel no pain. For today, I will be free of worry. For today. Those are Mm -hmm. uh, Yusui's words. He's like the person who created Reiki. That's like the chant that he said in Japanese and just translated. For today, I'm this and that and that. So that's what I do. I just move from chakra to chakra and I I do the little symbols and I do the little chants. But like, you don't have to do it that specifically. It could be as simple as breathing and then like maybe hovering your hands over your body and just feeling the heat between your palms where all your nerve endings come together in your hands and your basha, your body is intelligent, interwoven, connected, electricity, like electric system. Like it's Mm -hmm. actually electricity. It's actually programming. And if you could just create that mind-body connection, yoga nidra works similarly. Like right, yoga nidra, you're tracing the outside of outlines of your body Mm -hmm. with your breath. You want to make it all the way around three times to the front of your body, the back of your body. And like all it is is mind-body connection. It's training that connection. So I do that every morning. Um, self-reiki, meditation, I swim, uh, no impact. I just avoid all impact, which I'm trying to get like physical therapy. My goal, actually, she asked me, what's your goal? I was like, my goal is to be able to run, which I've actually always hated running. Yeah. But I just want to be able to do something that I right now can't do. So that's yeah. why it's my goal. So I, I avoid impact for now, but I want to get flow. You know, mm-hmm. I do yoga. I want to get my heart rate up. I want to get things moving. I want to get some antioxidants. I want to get some endorphins. I eat um, a low meat low gluten, low caffeine diet, mostly because I can't cut them out yet. Yeah. <laughs> but one day I think they'll be gone completely, I hope. Um, yeah. Dairy is a no, mm-hmm. unless I'm like, oh, really wanting to cheat for some reason, yeah. which in which case I will have like, if you do the uh, goat or sheep dairy, it's better. It's better. Mm-hmm. So I just stay away from cow. Cow is just a no, like mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be eating that shit as humans. And then soy is also a no, it's artificial. Nobody should be eating that, especially women. Yeah. Tofu, sorry. Like, yeah. no, that stuff is so bad for you. Um, it's super estrogen rich. It's bad for everybody, but especially bad for women with endo mm-hmm. or PCOS or any like es- excess estrogen related issue. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, those are the things I've changed. And then journaling has also been super powerful. And that, and that comes with the book. Like it's just kind of spilled out of me and there was like yeah. nothing I could do to stop it. Like there <laughs> And, and I, it's funny because I, before I had the surgery, you know, my, I told my partner, my business partner and my boyfriend, my partner, who's also my business partner, guys, like I, I'm going to need you to take on some extra work. I'm, I'm going to need some time just to myself, like at least while I'm in the recovery phase after the surgery. And they were like, yeah, no problem. They totally stepped to the plate. They, they took on so much. Um, I mean, like I maintained like some creative direction and writing, but like for the most part, they took on all the day to day. And um, I thought that I would just, you know, spend some time recovering and then get back to it. That was my initial plan going into the surgery but once I woke up from the surgery like I said it was just like I could not stop Mm -hmm. physiologically like my fingers were just like constantly going on the computer and now I have like you know I've written so many blogs I've written so many uh, like private things that I haven't shared yet and I'm working on my like really finding uh, finalizing my book proposal and going back to the agent and like getting that out there because 
I just, if I can help one person, and I already have, man, like the amount of people that have reached out to me since I started being so public about this. So these are the kinds of things that I've uncovered over time. So then I went on a trip to Asia, um, which I also planned a year in advance. So like after I got back from Peru, I was like, I gotta keep traveling. So I booked a trip to Asia a year later. I had no idea that any of this stuff was gonna happen, right? Um, and I, I was, a lot of it was for work. Um, and when I was traveling in Asia, I first I started in Australia, I got there, I was staying with a friend. Her roommate had endometriosis. Then I went to Bali, I was leading a retreat and most of the ladies were women. Three women there all had endometriosis related symptoms, one of which had been formally diagnosed with endometriosis and actually had had the surgery. Um, so three out of seven, there's like not that many, right? And then I go to China and I walk into a, like a random bar my last night there and someone's doing a stand-up like, like impromptu kind of like, you know. It's like a bunch of expats getting together in mainland China that have jobs there doing stand-up comedy. And most of them are Westerners. And some idiot gets up on stage and starts making fun of periods. I went up to the MC and like just went up there and I was like, can I get the mic next? Oh my god. I get up on the stage and I just like level this guy because, you know, he was just such an idiot. Like just honestly sexist. Um, and I... I try to be friendly about it. And I also don't say that I have endometriosis because he asked, he was like, why does nobody teach us what women go through? And then he like started making fun of all the symptoms. So that's what he asked for. So I said, okay, I'm going to give you guys an education on periods. Town hall style, go ahead. Anybody in this room, ask any question that you want to about a period. And they asked funny things like, can you go down on your girlfriend on her period? I'm like, right. sure, just stay uptown. Like, you know, <laughs> do it. You know, like just like it was kind of funny, and we you know we all started laughing, and by the end everybody's friends. The guys laughing. The girl comes up to me at the end, and she goes, "I have endometriosis. Oh Thank you so much for doing that." I try to explain to him my symptoms and tell him that it's like actually a disease, and he doesn't understand. And, I, and that's when I like waved him over. I was like, "All right, dude, this is way bigger than I thought this was. Like, did you know this?" And we had a, a conscious conversation, and he actually thanked me for like for helping him understand what his girlfriend was going through. They're much younger than me and like, you know, he's a naive kid, basically. And, you know, it's just like, I can't tell you how many people, how, it, it, and this, should, this shouldn't be happening. One in 10 women, 200 million women worldwide. And like, I say the word and people don't even know what it means most mm. of the time because we're not talking about it. And this is more than most cancers combined, right? Like this, this is, and we have like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars going to research for asthma. We have. I think eight million going into research for endometriosis. That's like ten cents per patient, and yet the amount of women that have it is astronomically larger than the amount of people who have all this other stuff. So, yeah, talking about it honestly, when I when I boil it down, that's the most that's the most helpful. But even like you, totally a hundred percent, and I think that's probably something I've realized the most since I've started the podcast and talking about it as well is just like you just continue to meet more and more women who have the same issues and were never educated on it to know like who to talk to what to say where to go what to do and just like thought it was normal so it's like yeah how do we change that I guess the first step is just talking about it it's talking about it and like also bridging the divide. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's this massive divide across a variety of different places in our society. One of them being the, the separation between like the spiritual, the metaphysical, the um, 
unexplainable that we are now kind of starting to explain with epigenetics, right? Like we're starting to understand how our genes actually deteriorate from trauma that is held in our grandmother's bodies and passed down to our bodies today. Right. Um, and there's actually like studies that they've done in like chimps and in rats to prove how this works and how it leads to a variety of autoimmune disorders, right? We said we were going to get to this. Like it leads, it's not just endo. Um, yeah, and I think that we just need to communicate. We need mm-hmm. to, we like the, that stuff, this all this cutting edge research that's been coming out in the last 10, 15 years, specifically also around how mindfulness can help a variety of different issues, like especially with pain, because chronic pain is really linked to the brain. You had someone on that, that um, really explained this well. I think um, it was my psychiatrist. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, Nicole Sachs. Oh, Nicole. Yeah. yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, that, I mean, that made so much sense to me. Yeah. And I'd heard it before, but the way she explains it, like the, that, that kind of stuff needs to get across mm-hmm. to the medical community. To, yeah. And it needs to be covered by insurance. And yeah. it needs to become accessible. And there's absolutely no fucking reason in the world mm-hmm. why it is not. Because it's actually helping people. And like when I look across the board of all the different stuff that we have out there now, like social media, thank the Lord it's here because people are telling their stories. And we have like all these different foundations and summits and conferences and government organizations that are deciding budgets and deciding how we're going to dole out health care that are all people of the broken system that are unwilling to look at or to, to give research or to give funding to things that are actually going to help because they've deemed them as alternative or deemed them as something that is not actually going to help. Yet I was stuck in that world for over a decade and nobody could help me. And then I found this world and I find people just like me who were stuck in that world forever and also took a really long time to find healing, but also eventually did find healing and did find solutions that led them to a place where they do feel creatively free. Like that's the thing that I felt the most. I told you this, you Mm -hmm. asked me, did the surgery help? I'm like, okay, technically, no, I still have endometriosis. Technically, no, I still have to deal with all these, these issues for the rest of my life. But the amount of freedom that I feel in my body and in my mind and clarity to be creatively expressive, to be vocal, to be myself, to not be so, um, like afraid of the feelings in my own body that I know is because physiologically I removed a level of inflammation that was spiritually blocking me and that's what I mean about this intersection between the spiritual and the metaphysical yeah. and the and because we we just are missing a gigantic piece at either end and same thing goes for the spiritual world like I told you the amount of people that that have told me like how did this happen to you you're so spiritually aligned you've been doing yoga for so long well I was also deluded. Yeah. Like this stuff was helping me, yes, but it was also disassociating me. And it was completely like based off of like esoteric, uh, untangible um, belief, faith-based systems that were giving me some relief, but were not addressing the massive physiological inflammation that I had in my body that only surgery could address. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of people in that world who, I mean, I know people who have been like, I've heard them say things like, you shouldn't be on antidepressants. It's like, if you're doing the practices, the practices alone should work. The practices are good enough. And it's like, actually, no. Like no, Some people really yeah. need that extra little help to help them totally. rebalance their hormones. And maybe, yes, one day they can get off the antidepressants and they can find a diet that actually balances their hormones properly. But do you know how much willpower it gets? Yeah. Or how, it, how much willpower it takes to get that diet right? That was when I first realized that I had to do all these things 
in my research phases after my surgery because that was when I had honestly had enough mental space to dive into the research. Right. Because anytime I tried before, it was it was traumatic. Like I would read stuff that was so sad. I was like, I don't want to read this. I don't want to know that yeah. this is what I have. But once the inflammation was gone, I was strong enough to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was strong enough to take it head on and read it and really understand it. And it's just like we are af- we're afraid for some reason on both ends. I don't know why. I other than we're stuck in these two camps almost like democrats and conservatives you know it's like it's the same kind of thing it's like we're talking past each other and we're not quite understanding that one actually could help the other Mm -hmm. like one could support the other and like you can't expect to have spiritual health if you don't have physical health yeah like you can't expect to have physical health if you don't have spiritual health you can't have light without dark you can't you know Everything exists in dualities and you can't separate one without the other because in, in reality, one actually creates and contains the other. And that's what Chinese medicine actually teaches. That's a symbol of the yin and the yang. And that's why it's, I think, the most effective technique that I've found. Like I do acupuncture once a week. I do physical therapy once a week. I do psychotherapy once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I particularly, I found hypnosis the most helpful in uncovering my past just because with the lies portion of my healing, like uncovering lies, I also have um, like blacked out memories that are so traumatic that I just I, I blocked out that bit of my childhood or my high school or whatever and the hypnotherapy just kind of floods it all back similarly to the way I felt after my surgery and again it's like hard it's challenging and it definitely makes me cry and it's emotional but when I leave my therapist's house she has it in her home I feel so light mm-hmm. I feel so free and then I go home and I write and then I'm just like oh yeah it all makes sense. And then the next time that creepy thought comes in my head, and you be like, oh, yeah, that's dad shit, or that's mm-hmm. mom shit, or that's so-and-so shit. And you shit. know it's, how to deal with it, yeah. It's not mine. It's stuff that they gave me. It's basically like if your parents had a ton of trauma and they never dealt with it, which is pretty much everyone in our generation because they didn't really believe in dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's fine. We're, we're evolving as a species. It's, it's like when you were born, they just gave you this gift. It's like, here, here, have this gift. And you open it up, and it's just this giant box of shit. <laughs> And, and if you don't deal with it, you're just going to hand that box to your kid. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. And I'm sure I'll come up with new shit to hand them because we all have our own traumas and everyone's going to constantly be healing. It's a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story and taking the time to do this. Very personal, yeah. but I think that it will resonate with so many people. Yeah, I think so too. And um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I know we kind of have to wrap up probably, but I mentioned something about the chimps and the and the. Oh rats. yeah, yeah, share that. Um, really quickly, I just I want to I want to let people know like how much proof we yeah. have around this, right? So, these experiments have been repeated more than once. So like obviously we know that it's there's something to it. Mm-hmm. It's new, so there's a lot more to be understood. But what we do know is that. Um, our genes are created in our grandmother's body. So the eggs that we carry as women in our bodies today were formed in our great-grandmother's body while they were pregnant with our grandmother. And the experiences that they, that our great-grandmother had while she was pregnant with our grandmother defined the health of the of the, that fetus and defined the health of those eggs and then defined the health, therefore, of her genes as she grows. And it's not, it doesn't take one generation for it to to take hold it actually takes like three and the way that we know this is they they would take the, the, the chimps or the rats and they it would impregnate them and then they'd separate their babies into two litters and 
one batch of the babies would be left with their mom and then the other batch would be separated from their mom and they would give them everything that they needed physiologically but they just didn't give them any emotional care or emotional support and they basically inflicted emotional trauma upon them and because neglect is, is emotional trauma so that alone people think oh you know my parents just didn't have time for me I'm fine that's definitely a traumatic right. thing especially when you're really young and you don't know the difference you might get it now as an adult because we live in a world where people have to make money but it still hurts mm-hmm. and it's still something to heal um, and it comes on different levels for different people. So anyways, these babies, they, they were fine physiologically. They developed some weird coping mechanisms. Like they want to kind of like rock back and forth, some strange mental things, but like nothing physiological. And then they impregnated those babies. So they called them the motherless mothers. And they didn't separate, I didn't tell you this, but they didn't, t- they didn't separate them from their babies. Some of the mothers ate their babies, but a lot of the babies were born with chronic autoimmune disorders from endometriosis to MS to psoriasis to like lungs and organs being grown outside of their bodies um, to so many different physical health issues for no apparent reason Mm -hmm. other than they traumatized the generation prior one two three generations where where did you find this study um there's tons of them out there you can you can google it and read about it um I first read about it in Abby Norman's book, mm-hmm. Ask Me About My Uterus. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing book. If anybody out there is like, you know, wanting to start reading about endometriosis or thinks they might have the symptoms, I would start with that. Ask Me About My Uterus. She's an incredible writer. She has a, a amazing story and you know, you really feel for her when you're reading it. And she also does a really good job of talking about the historical context of women's health. We need to get this research out there. We need to get funding. We need to get people aware so that and honestly, if we did enough self-care work just for our kids, if we did enough, like, that's why I love Marianne Williamson so much because she's mm-hmm. like, all she talks about is like child development, how important it is because that's the key. If we talk about child development and if we make sure that our next generation of babies grow up to be untraumatized adults, then they won't traumatize their children and then maybe we'll stop killing each other and then maybe we'll actually live in a world where there's peace and respect for women and my- minorities and equal opportunities you know mm-hmm. across the board and not people infighting so much so that we can't get anything done yeah where can everyone contact you <laughs> <laughs> um you can email me or follow um, you, you can or... follow me you can you know dm me well it takes a while for me to respond to dms because okay. i just don't check them often enough also emails take me a while too but i will respond um eventually my name is paula Pavlova, and you can email me at paula at pavlovawellness.com. So it's pretty easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my, like my, per, my kind of my, more of my blog is. So you can read my story there. I call it my endo diary. And I encourage other women to share their diaries as well. And just like, don't be ashamed of what you're feeling. You actually, if you're feeling anything of the things that I described in any way, like you are part of the solution and like you standing up and sharing what you have even if it just starts by sharing it with yourself um you have going on in your body that that's how we all heal like we Mm -hmm. we can't keep hiding um my instagram is also pavlova wellness my personal instagram and then my business websites are gaia collective and moonbox um so you can check out both of those moonbox is just self-care products so we just try to give you everything you need so you can feel good for the month and have a self-care check-in for the mm-hmm. soul is what we call it. Um, give you like astrological dates and all that good stuff. So it's it's fun. Um, it definitely gives you some some like some insight into like the ways that we often like we buy products and we're like I have to just you know take a shower so I don't smell. 
but actually it's a healing process mm-hmm. and they're, they're self-care products if you treat it, I write rituals and like if you treat it in the way that it's a ritual like it becomes healing everything can become healing right that, that that's what it is and then with Gaia Collective um, you can follow that page and I just talk about women's health so like I do stories on women's health there's like a, every post is about like how you can improve your health with in, in terms of your women's um, issues or pelvic pain issues because there's also a lot of people in the transgender community so I also like to say like people with wombs mm-hmm. right um, who are experiencing this and especially if they're getting really disenfranchised mm-hmm. if you're transgender and you have a, a uterus and you're, you have endometriosis like can you imagine how much harder it is for that person compared to even the person who can't afford it it's like not only can you not afford it but also the odds of someone listening to you are incredibly low especially if you live in a place where you're disrespected um Oh, I could go on and on. So yeah, please contact me if you if you ever you know or like if you know if you want to talk about it more. I'm just trying to get the, this word out there as much as possible. So I'm just trying to get you know people talking. Um, and you are yeah, so. and, and, <laughs> and find a, find platforms to 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 um, to continue to share not only my story. It's like it's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about by sharing my story. I hope I inspire others to do the same. And I think that if we get enough people shouting from the rooftops, like we clearly are headed that direction with this period movement, with um, the Women's March, with all these different things, um, you know, we're, we're headed there. This podcast is for education purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.